This is KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. Welcome back. Today's shir is dedicated. The shchut of the shir should be for the refuah of Dvorah uh, Idel Bat Miriam Bacha. Shchut HaTorah, Shchut HaFatzat HaTorah, Tamod La, Refuah Shlema, Refuah HaNefesh, Refuah HaGuf, Hashta Ba'agadah Bezman Kariv. Today is Thursday. And our share on Thursday is a share in Sefer Mishlei. We're given by Rav Shlomo Dov Rosen. Welcome back to our Shiurim on Mishlei. This is the 12th Shiur on Mishlei. And with this Shiur we end the first book of Mishlei, which comprises the first nine chapters of Mishlei. The second book of Mishlei brings us from the beginning of the 10th chapter to the end of the 24th. That is the majority of Mishlei. The second book is made up primarily, certainly until the last chapter or so, of individual sentences or individual double sentences which are strung together, each with their own message, and the context teaches quite a bit about the ideas involved. However, as we have seen, the first nine chapters are separate poems, each about 10 to 15, perhaps 20 lines long, with particular messages. And in this, <coughs> sorry, last shiur on the first book of Mishlei, what we will notice is the last two poems are the kind of summary of the basic ideas we have studied. What are those basic ideas? We have seen the relationship of fear of God to wisdom. We have spoken about natural wisdom. We have spoken about what it means to be pushed away from your potential in developing that wisdom which can bring you close to God. We have spoken about being seducible, being easily carried away and the meaninglessness, the lack of content to that kind of seduction. We have today five psukim and then the last chapter of Mishlei. The five psukim are from the end of the eighth chapter. They are an opening, I think, to the last poem, or at least a second to last poem, which already opens a summary. So we'll start with that, and we note that it is a very practical message, a very practical part of Mishlei, much more practical than what we have seen so far. So we are in Perkhet Pasuk Lamid Bet, Perkhet Pasuk Lamid Vav. Va'ata vanim shim'u li. And now, children, listen to me. Va'ashrei drachai shmoru. And happy, virtuous, meritorious are those who keep my ways. Shim'u musar v'chachamu va'al tifra'u. Listen, accept instruction and become wise and do not disturb. Ashrei adam shome ali. Happy is one who listens to me, Lishkod al dal totai yom yom, Lishmor mezuzot petachai, to be continuous, to be set by my doors daily, to guard the doorposts of my doors. Ki motzah, my doorways, Ki motzi matzah chayim, Vayafek ratzon me'adonai. For one who finds me, finds life and receives acceptance 
the will, the desire, grace of God. V'chot'i chomes nafsho kol mesan'ai ahavu mavet. And one who misses me, one who sins against me, is undermining, is corrupting his own soul. All those who hate me love death. I think we need to analyze this closely and realize how this is a practical development of the things we've seen already, but also at the same time develops a few basic ideas about the necessity of wisdom, but the fact that it is not everything. And now, sons, listen to me. Now, children, listen. We've learned a lot together. Now, now listen. Let's speak practically. Happy, virtuous are those that keep my ways. Practically. They will be happy and virtuous. Shim'u musar vachachamu listen, accept instruction and you will become wise through that through Musa you get Chochmah I'm not sure if we've had this idea at all this is very practical through listening to instruction you will become wise don't disturb, don't make messes of things let's be practical here and that brings us into the next puzzle the most practical message in the first nine books in Prakim of Mishle Ashrei Adam Shomei Ali Happy, virtuous Meritorious is a person who listens to me To be continuous, to, set, to be set to come every day to study in an organized fashion every day without fail to be my, my doors every day And now the last two psukim are very puzzling until you realize one particular idea and then it flows beautifully. For one who finds me finds life and he will, will take out, will get the grace, the desire, the will of God. One who misses me, one who sins against me. Lachto means to miss like two fire and miss not to miss but it also means a hate which means a sin there are certain types of sinning which is just missing the mark one who misses me one who misses the mark who sins against me is undermining is corrupting his own soul all those who hate me love life now why is it said in such a negative way in such an indirect manner say those who love me love life why say those who hate me love death and what this teaches us is I think a fundamental concept to do with the idea of the necessity but the lack of completion of natural wisdom natural wisdom is absolutely necessary for developing goodness that's what we've seen in these nine books for developing closeness to God for being serious about things for being an ethical and moral person but it is incorrect and very dangerous to assume that natural wisdom itself is good that's not so 
It is not true to say those who love wisdom, the wisdom speaking, those who love me love life. That is not true. It is simply true to say those who hate wisdom love death. And now if we go back to this, the beginning of these two psukim that come together, we see it makes so much sense. We never speak like that. Why should we say, those who find me find life? Say like it says in Dvarim, I am life. Choosing this way is choosing life. And the answer is, because choosing wisdom is not necessarily choosing life. One can get wisdom without getting life, without getting the spirituality involved, without getting goodness. One who finds me, says wisdom, is likely, is almost by definition finding life. Without me you can't have life and through me you can develop life. But it is not true to say that wisdom is necessarily life. Wisdom is not life. Life is defined as morality, spirituality, coming close to God. And natural wisdom is a necessary tool in order to get there. It is an apparatus, but it is not itself that definition. It is not a guarantee of anything. One who finds me finds life means it is all in likelihood that if you find wisdom, you will find life. It is not at all necessarily so. You will not necessarily find life. Vayasek ratzon mehashem and he will get the desire, the will from God. That, to be in the grace of God, that is life. You are likely to get to life, to get to that closeness to God through wisdom. It is not a necessary equation in the sense that if you have wisdom, you have life and you're close to God. No, if you have wisdom, you are likely to get life and be close to God. And now we get to the other side. And one who sins against me, who misses the mark, who misses wisdom, who misses me, is undermining, is corrupting his own soul. It is suicidal. It is undermining your own potential to leave wisdom out of the equation. But you're not necessarily developing yourself as a perfect person by definition in having wisdom. Simply, if you miss the mark in wisdom, you are undermining your potential. And now the last part which becomes so clear in this context. All those who hate me love death. It is not true to say all those who love me love life. Because I am not life, says wisdom. I am a tool, an apparatus to develop what is meaningful in life. But it is true to say that anybody by definition who hates wisdom loves death, is suicidal. Because then you are undermining your potential for anything that is productive and most centrally coming close to God. The, one of the main messages in the first nine chapters of Mishlei is in order to develop a proper relationship ethically and spiritually with God, you need wisdom. And that undermining your potential in wisdom comes to 
undermining your potential for spiritual closeness to God in a deep sense that it's not a question of being punished it's just a question of nature that's how Hashem made the world you need wisdom to come close to God you need to think you need to analyze now let's open let's start the last parak of the first book of Mishle parak it might be a direct continuation of this but I think it's quite likely that it's a new poem but directly in connection with this and both of these two poems the one we have just read and the one you would like to now read Bezat Hashem are both summaries of Mishle bringing it all together it's particularly clear from this of the first part of Mishle it's particularly clear from this chapter Perak the ninth chapter because it brings up certain motifs we've seen already making slight changes but keeping the general argument Chochmot and we have already seen that Chochmot brought in the plural but when the sentence is in the singular seems to mean wisdoms the entirety of the world of natural wisdoms wisdom in the singular might mean a specific wisdom the highest level of wisdom maybe knowledge of God or deep philosophical analysis wisdoms means the whole gamut of natural science and wisdom whether the natural sciences or the social sciences, understanding life and people. And now, again, like in the first few chapters of Michelet, when we spoke about natural wisdom, now again natural wisdom comes back because that's basically what's been playing the majority of the game throughout the first nine chapters. It used its pillars out of rock Chochmot bata beta chatzva amudeha shiva wisdoms built her home she yud her pillars seven tavchat ifcha maschayena af archa shulchana she prepared her food she diluted in other words prepared the wine her wine she even set her table. She sent her maidens calling on the outskirts of the heights of the city. Who is Feti? What is a Peti? Feti. We had him a lot at the beginning. One who is easily seducible. One is very naive and simple. Who will believe anything. Peti Yamin Turn here. Turn in here. Chasar Lev. One lacking of heart. Which is already an ethical problem. As it has appeared in the past in Mishle. But not a form of wickedness. Maybe a form of idiocy. Not having some kind of backbone and way of life. Amralo, she says to him, Come and eat my bread. And drink in the wine that I have prepared. Leave off simple ones and live. Or leave off simplicity and live. And go walk in the path 
זאת understanding. יוסר לץ לוקח לו קלון, מוכיח לרשע מומו. One who admonishes a scoffer is taking for himself shame. And one who admonishes a wicked person, that is his blemish. אל תוכח לץ פניס נעקה. Do not admonish, do not tell off a scoffer, for he shall hate you. He won't make fun of you, that's not the problem, he'll hate you. You've lost him. Don't worry about yourself, you've lost him. הוכח לחכם ויהא הזקה. Tell off, instruct a wise person, and he shall love you. תן לחכם ויחכם עוד, הודה לצדיק ויוסף לקח. Give to a wise one and he shall become wiser. Inform to a righteous person and he himself shall develop more his knowledge. Partake of more information. תחילת חוכמה יראת אדוני ודעת קדושים בינה. What does that mean? The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God and the knowledge of holiness, understanding. כי הביא ירבו ימיך ויוסיפו לך שנות חיים. For through me your days will become many. And they will add to you years of life. אם חכמת, חכמת לך. ולצת לבדך תישא. If you have become wise, you have become wise for yourself. And you have scoffed, you alone shall reap. The outcome. אשת כסילות הומיה פתאיות ובה יד אמה. A woman of idiocy is screaming out. Simplistic and not knowing anything. Not knowing what. וישבה לפתח ביתה על כיסא מרומי כרת and she sits at this entrance of her home on the seat of the throne. of the heights of the city. To call to those passing by the way who are straightening their paths. Who is simple and will turn in this way. And the one lacking of heart and she shall, shall say to him, Ma'im genuvim yimtaku. ולחם סתרים ינאם. Stolen waters are sweet, and hidden bread is pleasant. ולא ידע כי רפאים שם, בעמקי שאור קרועיה. And he does not know that ghosts, that dead people are there. In the depths of the grave are those she has called him. Okay. That's the end of the first book of Mishlein. And now if we go over this piece, we note that this, we notice this general poem which seems to push in several directions, have lots of pieces, is giving over a very clear message. It's developing as a summary basic ideas we've had, but from a very practical direction. Let's see. Let's read it again very carefully. Chochmot banta beita chatzva amudeha shiva. Wisdom, natural wisdom, built her home. As the Mary points out, Building a home is made up of different 
parts. You build a house with different parts. You can't make everything the same. There are different parts to natural wisdoms. But she used her seven pillars out of stone. And what does it mean to you out of rock? The pillars of a building. It means that that building is deeply entrenched on the strongest form of natural existence. You don't build it out of separate bricks and stones, but rather you hew it out of the natural world. Shiva, seven, is often brought as a natural number. In other words, what we're saying is, natural wisdom is built out of the rock of natural experience. The seven pillars of natural sciences are built out of, cut out of the stone of existence. And it builds its home above that. And that is what in these nine chapters is calling, calling you over to be involved with. Involve yourself with natural wisdom and it will bring you close to God. What do we mean by natural wisdom? Not just only natural science. Understanding the world, thinking about things, analyzing your life, trying to develop yourself. And it even prepares itself for you so that you can analyze these things and come close and understand the philosophical concepts that it brings out. Tavcha tifcha Mascha yena Asarcha shulchana she has tavchatifcha. Now, litvach literally means like to slaughter. It means the preparation of food. And the first thing we notice is that there are three stages here. You have food, wine, and setting the table. And if food, usually, as it will appear later on in Pasuk Hay, seems to relate to the more basic aspects, the hardcore aspects of knowledge, then the wine is presumably the more spiritual or the more developed, mature forms. And then preparing the table is preparing it for the possibility of appreciation. There is, of course, a deeper analysis, which is what the Meiri does here, where Tavchatifcha basically means to divide, to cut things up. Maschayena means to dilute wine, because in the olden days, the pouring and preparation of wine involved dilution. Nowadays as well, just done the bottles before we get it. Af al she even sets her table. And then you have three levels, three types of preparation of knowledge for our easier consumption. The first is to divide concepts into segments. The second is to dilute the information. And the third is to prepare the table so it can easily be digested and appreciated. And the way the Me'iri takes this is that we are now talking about the practical aspect of teaching others, of bringing that wisdom out into the world. And that involves, in the preparation of wisdom, giving it out to others, three stages. The division of concepts, the dilution of concepts, and the formation and organization of concepts. And now the point, perhaps, that we're building up towards. Shalchan Tikra she sends her maids and calls. She calls. But she sends her maids to do that. Through them, she's calling, perhaps. On the outskirts of the heights of the city. 
And we note that when, at the end of the piece, which we have already just seen because we read through it already, at the end of the piece when this is paralleled with the woman of idiocy, who's paralleled against Chochmot, which is feminine, in other words, the woman of knowledge, there it's Al-Kisei Meromikavit, on the seat or the throne of the heights of the city, but here it's on the outskirts. So we note the idea we have already seen before two shurim ago, that wisdom is public, is willing to make itself public, as opposed to the treacherous, seductious, undermining aspect of life that's idiotic and doesn't even know itself, which always will try to walk around in the dark and catch you. Wisdom is not frightened of being analysed. Quite the opposite. It's analysis which develops wisdom, as Rav Sadiogon, you saw, says about two chapters ago. And therefore, it's very important that wisdom sends out its maze on the outskirts of the heights of the city. The outskirts. Publicly. But then you note that wisdoms, the woman wisdom, who is now set up against the woman of idiocy, Chochmot built her home. She is not leaving. She sends out her maids. Through them she calls. Why? And I think what it's trying to say is wisdom is not frightened. It wants analysis. It wants publicity. But real wisdom is not something which is sold in bumper stickers on the back of cars. It's something which is in the bed midrash, in the books of study and the rooms of study that involves a certain atmosphere of taking things seriously and coming in and learning properly. It will send out its messengers to call you out in from out there. But don't think that wisdom is something to be learned in the marketplace. It lets its beauty pour out and is happy for publicity. But if you want to take it seriously, you have to immerse yourself in what it entails. And therefore, it sits in its home that it built so carefully, but sends out its maids to call you in. And what does it say? Me... Well, it's not clear if this pasuk is what it says or what the narrator says. And it becomes important because this pasuk is almost word or letter for letter repeated in the parallel part at the end of this poem. Nifeti Yathurhena. Who is simple? Who is easily seducible? Who is naive? Yathurhena. Turn in here. Chasar Lev, Chasar Lev seems to have some kind of ethical weakness, but not e- wicked, not evil. Amchalo, she says to him, I can help you. Lechu lachamu velachami ushetu b'yayim masachti. Come and eat my bread and drink of the wine that I have prepared, that I have diluted. That's presumably the two aspects of wisdom. The heavy content and the deeper ideas. Leave off simplicity or leave off simple ones and live through wisdom. You will get to life as we have seen before. And walk, tread. Ishru also means 
to be meritorious, to be happy. But here it seems to mean to tread. But with the other connotation perhaps as well. Bederch binay in a way of understanding. The problem is that the person doesn't have a way of understanding. It's not just that his way is wrong. His way is not a way of understanding what he's doing. And now, because we've spoken so practically about how to call people in and what this practically, what wisdom practically has to say to the world, we are reminded of two points. One who admonishes a scoffer is taking for himself shame. And one who tells off a wicked person becomes his blemish. Do not tell off, instruct or admonish a scoffer, for he shall hate you. The problem isn't so much that he might hurt your feelings. We've seen that already, but you might say, okay, I don't mind my feelings being hurt. The problem is, if you admonish the scoffer, he will hate you, and then there will be no chance for him to change in the future. Tell off, instruct, a wise person, and he shall love you. Because wise means that you care to analyze and understand what's going on with yourself and with life. And now, run on from that. Give to a wise person, and he will make more use of it. He will become wiser. Perhaps he will study more to become wiser. Inform knowledge to a righteous person and he shall add teaching that he will learn add into his storehouse of knowledge something he takes in of his own accord and this is the connection which now brings us into the next pasuk this is the important connection between sidkut between righteousness and chokhmah and wisdom righteousness is necessary for wisdom as a prerequisite why? Because otherwise, a person will not be willing to be self-analytical. A person will not receive instruction or admonishing. And we have already seen, specifically at the second Pasuk that we read today, that through receiving this instruction, you get to wisdom. Through Musa, you get to Chokhmah. And that brings us into Pasuk Yud, which is very famous. Both also is Pasuk Yudav. Pasuk Yud is also very puzzling. Techilat Chokhmah Yirat Adonai Vedat Kadoshim Bina. We've already seen Reshit Chokhmah Yirat Hashem. So what is the difference between Reshit Chokhmah Yirat Hashem, which in one way or another appears both in Mishra and in Tehillim, and Techilat Chokhmah Yirat Hashem? Well, Reshit can mean one of two things. It means the head, and therefore, like in English, the head can mean two things. It can mean the chronological beginning, and it can mean the important thing, that which takes precedence. And presumably, it's likely to mean both. But here, the word Techilat can only mean the chronological beginning. 
And therefore there's a difference between what we saw at the beginning of the book and what we now see at the end of this first book. Techilat chokhmah yirat Hashem. The beginning, the chronological beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Why is that important now to talk particularly about the chronological? Because we've seen that if you're not able to accept instruction, at the beginning of the book we spoke about Musa and Chochmah, now we speak about Musa bringing the Chochmah, because if you're not able to receive instruction, you can't get to analysis and understanding. And therefore, if at the beginning it was just more important than wisdom, it takes precedence in the importance of, in the sense of what's more important. Here, it actually comes, besides taking precedence, it comes chronologically at the beginning. Because you won't be able to get to wisdom without fear of God. But it goes even further. Because we're able to see this chronology, we can get to the second half of the Pasuk. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Now, in reading these last three words of this, of this sentence, you have at least three possibilities. One is to say that Da'at Kadoshim is Bina. Another is to say Da'at Kadoshim is the beginning of Bina. And the other is to say Bina is the beginning of Da'at Kadoshim. Now, if you say Da'at Kedoshim is the beginning of Bina, then what you're saying is the relationship of Yir'at Chochmah is the same relationship of Da'at Kedoshim to Bina. Bina is a deeper level than Chochmah. Bina is understanding. And therefore, if Yir'at Hashem precedes wisdom, then Da'at Kedoshim precedes understanding. And Da'at Kedoshim is the knowledge of the holy. I find it hard in the literary, literal reading of the Pasuk to say that, although some commentators do. I would like to suggest the exact opposite if we're talking about a chronology at all. And that is, Yir'at Hashem precedes Chochmah, Da'at Kedoshim comes after Bina. And then, I think the reading of the Pasuk is the easiest, Tchilat Chochmah Yir'at Hashem, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, the Da'at Kedoshim, and for the knowledge of the wise, Bina, Bina is the beginning. Now, the reason why I think this makes a lot of sense is an idea that Rabbi Yoni develops in the earlier chapters of Mishle. The idea of the higher level of Yirah, of the higher level of Yirah, which is connected to a deeper understanding of God and closeness to Him. And therefore, what you come out with here is that you have a kind of sandwich. Fear of God must precede wisdom. But a deep development of fear of God is that which comes after wisdom as a product of it and then what you have is Yirat Hashem bringing to Chochmah Chochmah bringing to Bina in other words wisdom bringing to understanding and that bringing to Da'at Kadoshim and Da'at Kadoshim is the knowledge of the Holy that which the Holy know the higher level but I would like to give a third reading as well which I think is very deep and important even though it breaks the chronology and that is to say the following the beginning of wisdom is, in fact, the, not, the fear of God. But Da'at Kadoshim is Bina. Is Bina itself. The knowledge of the Holy is a form of understanding. And that's because fear of God is connected to wisdom. And as we've seen, wisdom is more in Hebrew like, like knowledge. It's a, it's a developed form of the information of knowledge 
it's not on the level of Bina or Tfuna, which are more be able to understand things. And the relationship, the correlation perhaps, of Yirat Hashem to Chochmah is the same as the relationship and the correlation between Da'at Kodoshim and Bina. Da'at Kodoshim is a form of Bina. What does that mean? Yirat Hashem is a form of wisdom to fear God. But Da'at Kodoshim is a form of understanding. What does understanding mean? Understanding is being able to extrapolate. Understanding one thing out of another thing being able to understand the intention of the author. We have seen this already, Rabbi Yon and Chazal say those two ideas. And therefore, Da'at Kadoshim is a form of understanding. It's a more developed approach. So what does Da'at Kadoshim mean? I'd like to make the suggestion that Da'at Kadoshim is like this highest level that is a form of Bina, or comes from Bina. And that Da'at Kadoshim is the knowledge of the holy, those who are able to make themselves holy. Those who are able to actually develop spiritually on a high level, they have to do their own personal work. They have to know themselves. They have to be able to analyze things. They have to think creatively for themselves. If you want to fear God, that can be a question of wisdom that you learn from others. But if you want to be a holy person, you want to have the knowledge of the holy, then you need Bina. It's a form of Bina, a form of understanding, of being able to understand ideas in depth how they apply to yourself and how yourself you can be creative in spiritual sense. I want to read those two psukim together because otherwise I can't understand ki. Ki means because or for. And it, if it means because, like in English, because could move backwards or it could be forwards looking. It could be that because of this or it could be because of this the next thing and I can't see how Pasuk can work backwards to Pasuk Yud, but I do think that we can perhaps understand it as forward looking because for through me your days will become plentiful and they shall add for you years of life I'm not life itself says wisdom but through me years of life will be added to you and I think the way to read that key is to read it forward-looking onto the next pasuk, pasuk Yodbet. Im chachamta, chachamta lach, velatzta levatchatisa. If you have become wise, you become wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone shall reap the benefit, shall have to carry the burden. In other words, through me, your years will become multiplied. And why is that so? Because at the end of the day, if you become wise, you're the one who reaps the benefit. You're the one who gets from it. And if you scoff and you joke around and you don't try to analyze things and become wise, then you just you yourself are the one who's undermined. And therefore it's through me that your years of life are added. It's, it's a direct product of that. And now we, we come to the last Sukkim of Mishlei, which bring up again this this phantom we've had throughout uh, this first book of Mishlei. The problematic woman, but now she's no longer a Zara or a Nochria. She's become a Shiksilut. A woman of idiocy. Because now we really understand, at the end of the day, we're not talking about heresy necessarily or desires. We're simply just talking, at the end of the day, what does all these heresy and desires come to? It comes to just not making anything of your life. It just makes, just, just being stupid. 
Aisha Ksilut Homia. A woman of idiocy. She's just calling out, making a noise, Ptayut, of, of simplicity, of, of, of naivety. Uval Yad Ama. And that's what we saw two weeks ago. What did we see? Nitzuha. She's closed up as heart. Nitzuha Klev. She doesn't know herself. She doesn't know her own heart. Uval Yad Ama. She doesn't know what. Uval Yad Ama. In the most simplistic sense, it's being presented at the end. She's not in the home, but she's not public either. Wisdom is both in the home, setting up camp seriously, and also sending out publicly and presenting itself and not frightened of what people see and trying to call people in. She's doing the exact opposite to both of those. She's neither in the home, she's neither stable in her own environment, nor is she willing to become public. She sits next to a door, on the throne, on the seat of the heights of the city, but not the outskirts of the city. To call those who are walk passing, walk passing away, that are straightening their ways. Who is simplistic? Come here. And one lacking of heart, and she says to him, the word for word, the same as Pasuk Dalit, except for one vav, one or two vavs, the same words, same words. Why? Because at the end of the day, what it's saying is, there's a complete parallelism. What the woman of wisdom and the woman of idiocy say are the exact same thing. We are trying to call in those who are simple. Those who don't have defenses. Either to develop sophistication and help them, or to undermine them. And here is the one line she finally says. And with this, the first book of Mishra basically ends. And it's a phenomenal line. It's an ethical line. And it's something about human psychology. Stolen water is sweet and hidden bread is pleasant. In other words, it is the thing itself, the ethical problem itself, that makes it pleasant and enjoyable. It is because it's stolen, it's because you're hiding away, that's what makes it enjoyable. It's not that those things really have any enjoyable aspect at all. There's nothing really enjoyable about them out there. It's simply that you're not supposed to do that. I don't have any depth in any wisdom, says the, the world of corruption. All I have is a way of destroying your life by enjoying things because you're misbehaving. And that's at the end of the day all she has to say. There's no way of standing up against wisdom to make you a better person. The way of corruption, the way of undermining your potential in life and just leaving out that potential and not trying to develop yourself has no argument at the end of the day except for it's nice because you're not allowed it. Because you're lazy. Because there's no meaning there. And they do not know that ghosts, that dead people are there, in the depths of the grave, are those she calls it. With this we finish the first nine books of Mishlei. Nine chapters of Mishlei, which makes the first book. And it's a book that's made up of poems instead of particular lines that are strung together. And it's a book that brings these poems into a 
whole sphere of, of ideas that relate to how wisdom, natural wisdom, is the prerequisite and the necessary condition of developing your potential as a person, creatively and in spiritual way. They teach us that that doesn't mean you're necessarily close to God, but it is necessarily, it is a necessary prerequisite apparatus in order to come close to God. And natural wisdom is understanding that it's true that there is punishment and reward spiritually, but in a deep sense there is natural punishment and reward. And there is always going to be something out there pulling us away, and that thing pulling us away into physical desire or secular or negative culture out there and whatever it would be doesn't really have any content as the Ramchal would say it's all in order to develop the struggle which is the meaning of life